All right, guys, we are back here. We are on the clock, truly on the clock here in the 10th round. We did end up grabbing Garrett Wilson in the ninth round. Um, there ended up being a bit of a run there. We weren't able, after we selected um, Devin Singletary, Traylon Burks went, Sky Moore went. And so before we kind of get into our 10th round selection, guys, let's at least just touch on the Garrett Wilson pick here. I feel like we were in pretty unanimous agreement that we felt there was a tear break with these kind of rookies after Burke, Sky, and Wilson to the point he was a pretty easy selection for us. Yeah, and we talked, I think when we took Devonta, that he this was a, a type of receiver that we wanted to add to the build after Devonta, um, who kind of adds a little bit more of a floor. This is more of a big, big, you know, high ceiling low floor, big swing. This is a really nice pocket of rookie receivers and drafts. I was just talking about it with Sean on Stealing Bananas on a recording today. I don't know when it will come out, but on, on, on some episode. Um, but, I mean, this this is just like feels like a key. I'm really glad we got one of them. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, we knew when we took Singletary that that would risk not getting Burks and Sky more. But um, I still feel like Singletary was just such an easy pick there. Let's get off to a fast start. Um, you know, I'm just a, a really good value in the late, you know, mid to late eighth. But knowing you have that Garrett Wilson backstop makes it a lot easier to pass on Burks and more. I mean, <laughs> Wilson was the 10th pick in the draft. It's an early declare. He had a breakout season. He was playing alongside Chris Olave, uh, obviously highly drafted as well. And Chris Olave went one pick after him. Wilson was far more productive than Olave last year. They're the same age, but Wilson was a year younger in school, which which matters. Um, and also, they have this guy Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State, who's going to be a superstar. And you know, Wilson was uh, was more productive than him. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about Wilson. I feel like getting the discount on him is really nice. Like he. I guess I don't understand why the gap is so wide between him and Moore, and I think it'll it'll close substantially by the time we get into, you know, post-training camp period. So uh, I think it's nice to get him at this price. And, yeah, it kind of gives us that home run swing at wide receiver because we talked about with this run of running backs coming off, it's like, all right, well, Rashad White's probably not coming back. So do we go ahead and, you know, I was like, I'll half-heartedly make an argument that we just grab him here because – He's probably not coming back. Gives us some really nice contingent value. Great for zero running back build. But I didn't even really believe in the argument because I was like, we, we need that home run swing at wide receiver, and Garrett Wilson's just so perfect for that. Yeah, and the other name that's in the mix here, and we're obviously going to talk about him on the clock here is Chase Claypool. And I'll just say, I don't even know if we could safely do a 2v2 of Rashad White Chase Claypool versus, you know, Garrett Wilson and what other running back we would consider here because um, I think Chase Claypool probably goes um, if Rashad White doesn't. You know what I mean? Like this drafter here who took him, I think he definitely could have used another wide receiver. And I know Claypool is near the top of kind of the ADP queue as well. So I don't even know if if that would have shaken out for us and here. Do you, do you guys agree? I do. And if Wilson had gone... Right. I think I would have argued for Claypool with our last pick. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have been Claypool over White, you know, if we didn't have a chance to take Wilson in the ninth. So it, it's very tough to do two V2s where we take White over both Wilson and Claypool because I don't think we would have. 
But, and I guess just to put a bow on the Wilson thing, it is crazy. He does seem mispriced to me. We were even just talking about it in an underdog draft where he is, his ADP is like 110 and it's, it's well after Olave, well after Burks and Sky Moore. I don't really get it. I, I mentioned in our Discord chat, my only thesis for why this is happening is that the market is super, super excited about Elijah Moore. And I get it. Like he checks every box that we like as far as a second year breakout wide receiver who has good college production who shows efficiency in year one like he he passes that sniff test as a breakout candidate but like i just don't think those things have to be mutually exclusive and like you said garrett wilson might just be fucking really good like this could be you mentioned the uh jackson uh, how do you say his name in jigbo i mean uh, it kind of feels yeah. It feels a little bit like the, you know, the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson thing where it's like, these are two just like incredible guys that crushed in college. And we're also like pulling targets away from each other too. So I don't know, like, I don't think I want to be taking stabs on these guys. Um, just knowing that the upside scenarios for them is so big. And I, I really think Garrett Wilson is, is grossly mispriced in all formats right now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that in the, the last episode too, but it's, it's, uh, or I, no, I guess I talked about it with Leone on the AFC East pod maybe, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I talked about it with Sean a little bit too. I mean, I think everyone <laughs> I've talked about this with, it's like, everyone agrees. Like this, this yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. I've so let no pushback. Let's talk about our situation here. We mentioned Claypool, who's clearly in the mix. Like Pat said, I think knowing we really wanted another wide receiver with major upside with one of these selections, he would have been in the conversation with us uh, at pick in the ninth round. And now we're at a really interesting juncture because a lot of people will look at this board and be like, you guys are thinking about a a running back, right? Like you clearly need to add a second running back. And yet what we're actually debating are a couple of wide receivers here. Uh, we mentioned Chase Claypool. Gretch, why don't I give you kind of the floor first about why Chase Claypool might not be the selection you'd like to see us well, make here? I'm not – I'm actually not thinking in terms of two wide receivers here. So I'm thinking in, mostly in terms of your comments a while back, either in our chat or on one of the mini-sodes, that it would be really great to get three running backs in this pocket with Singletary. And now we're looking at a group of running backs that are available here that we really like. I'm not going to sit and name them all, but there's a, there's about like eight still, I think, or six still that are going to come up that I don't think we'll get back to our 12th pick. And so there's this element where potentially taking them in both 10 and 11 is great. Rondell Moore is the other receiver that we had talked a little bit about adding to this build with Kyler and Marquise as our, you know, to build out the double stack for Arizona. And so my thought was you take a run, one of these running backs here and Ken Walker's gone as you pull this up on yeah. for people watching on video, but um, there's, is that the ADB? Why is it Brex Burkhead so high? What? That's so weird. Um, <laughs> I was like, why? what's going on? Um, it's like Isaiah Spiller, uh, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, there's several more. I don't want to necessarily name them all. Michael Carter, I think, is really interesting. I don't know if we we talked about him together. Tyrion Davis Price, we talked about. There's, I like there's I like Carter, yeah, yeah. Um, but my my thought was we take a running back here, and then we can still consider taking. You know, I mean, I don't think Claypool makes it back to us at all, but consider taking Rondell if we do still like a receiver. And I was saying I kind of feel like I might like Rondell straight up over Claypool. At the same time, I'm not pushing on that 
too hard because I think both of you guys are pretty excited about Claypool and, and he is a really good ADP value right now. Do you think it's interesting that his teammate Pat Fryermuth is a little bit higher ADP? Could be our tight end hmm. two here. Those are the top two in, in the in the queue on FFPC, Fryermuth and then Claypool. Yeah. And I actually think I like Fryermuth a little more than Claypool too. I don't know what my issue is with Claypool. I can't really articulate. I was kind of talking with Pat through it in the chat, but Basically, like they haven't given him a full role for two years, even though he's been good. I, I mean, it's kind of like I, I just think Tomlin seems to hate him. Uh, but Pat made some great points. Like, you know, Ben was definitely not good for Chase Claypool last year. Like, there's the play that I remembered. I was trying to find the tweet. I remember either a screenshot or a video I tweeted or quote tweeted or something. There was a play where Claypool was running basically a vertical route, stopped, turned around, and dove back toward the line of scrimmage to try to get to a pass that was – so underthrown, you the kind of thing you just don't see in the NFL. Um, there, there was a lot of that, obviously, with, with Ben just getting a guy, a quarterback with a competent NFL arm. I mean, I don't think Mr. Trubisky and Kenny Pickett are gonna light the world on fire, but somebody who could throw the ball 20 yards down the field, like literally, might be all Chase Claypool needs to have a bounce back. Yeah, I, I, I'm more concerned about the fact that they haven't given him the big routes, and I think the Pickens thing has been more of a, a concern in my head for Claypool than, than Deontay. Um, but there's a certain point, right. Where he's worth the bet. And that's the thing. Like I have right now, if you're watching on video, just the wide receivers available. And it does feel like, you know, not that this has to be the end all be all, but like looking at wide receivers that could legitimately finish as a top 15 wide receiver this year. And to me, I just see a, a massive cliff after Claypool <laughs> as far as like the players here, Boyd, Watson, Gallup, Rondell, Jahan Dotson, Patrick Landry, et cetera, that could reasonably finish as a top 15 wide receiver. And I feel like Claypool has that potential. Yeah. And I think I'd be more interested in the Rondell pivot if he had a realistic chance of coming back to us in the 12th, because then, we could kind of have our cake and eat it too of getting two of these running backs in this pocket. We just had this side of the board go super running back heavy on the last turn. Maybe they're satiated. Maybe they're not going to eat up all these running backs, but the other side of the board might. So uh, it wasn't a very uh, running back heavy side of the board this last time around. So they might go back to the well of running back. Um, it might be tough for us in the 12th round. But Rondale, according to the FFPC Command Center, only has a 23% chance of getting back to us in the 12th. So we can't really plan around that. Um, I, I'd be a lot more open to it if, if he had like, you know, 60, 70% chance of getting back in the 12th. Because then we could go two here, still get a wide receiver. I think most likely we're looking at either Claypool and a running back or running back and Rondale. And to me, I'm thinking – we're probably looking at unless I guess if there's a running back that you guys feel very strongly about compared to the rest of the group, that would be one of the big advantages of taking Rondale. I don't. I, I don't really have a guy here that I'm pounding the table for at running back. I Wait, would if White say, was available. Why why wouldn't you be open to a running back running back? Oh, okay. I would be open to running back running back, but then that's sort of my would, plan. A, and then get it's like if, okay. if running backs went heavy. I didn't feel like Rondell was much different than Claypool. That's what I was kind of trying to say, but I, I feel see. like we should still potentially be going running back, running back in this pocket as the plan A. That's really where I'm coming from. And I'm willing to I'm willing to talk that through. I think 
to what would make me feel more comfortable about running back running back here is to identify a couple late targets that we would feel comfortable rostering and holding for i don't know at least five or six weeks in the season you know we're at a we're at six wide receivers right now i mean who who are the targets for you guys say we do go running back running back here which i'm open to i do think that leaves us with at least one maybe two more wide receiver selections if we don't get an elite guy here who we consider elite who are you know if we kind of reverse engineer our end game who who are the guys that you'd be interested in here i mean that's not fair because they all suck (laughs) that's kind of my point right that's a leading question isn't it (laughs) no it's a great point it's okay point taken pete all right fine No, but like I, because I can get excited about some of these rookies. I think we mentioned yeah. them on a previous one. We mentioned Fuller. We mentioned Pickens, Wandale. Yeah. Um, so Ooh, like I I'm mean, open to that. Fuller and Julio, Wandale, KJ Hamler, Pickens. Some of those guys are, I think, you know, worth taking stabs at. But we are only at six receivers. Again, I'm not. I'm not pushing hard here. <laughs> well, hang on. That's let's, let's also. Oh, go okay, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, no, because no, I was going to shift it to I was going to shift it to talking about running back. So, but did you have anything about wide receiver targets down the road? No, I was going to shift it towards towards Claypool talk. So let's get into the running backs first. Well, so yeah, so I, I do agree with Gretch's premise here that like we are so we're picking in the tenth round, and then we're going to come back on the wrap in the eleventh, and then when it comes back to us in the twelfth. I really think I I have the command center up here and I see Khalil Herbert, who's one of my kind of preferred targets. I really think Khalil Herbert and everyone above him here is going to be gone by the time we come back in the 12th. So then you're looking at the James Robinson, McKissick, Marlon Mack. Like this is a tear break we feel on underdog as well. And so to me, Mm -hmm. then that question really comes to Gretch's point. I do think we can get two of these guys above him, you know, Pierce, Hines, Spiller, Carter, Henderson, Gainwell, TDP, Algier, and Herbert. Do we want to lock up two of those guys, or are we comfortable with some of these other ones? We're going to have to be comfortable with some of these other ones because we're going to take them. But I just mean, do we want two from this grouping? Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I, the way I was thinking about it is like we pick our favorite. I think we all really like Daryl Henderson. Like, say we we decide that's our favorite out of this whole group. We take Daryl Henderson, and then on the way back. We're like, okay, we're open to a, a few of these guys might go. Spiller, Carter, Gainwell, Pr- Davis Price, this like young tier that we really like. Uh, even kind of before Algier and Herbert, who I think you're right to, to include, but maybe are just a half step behind that other group. Yeah. And then we get one of one of the young ones coming back as well, right? And so it's like, okay, that's a – now we have Singletary, Henderson, and, and a youth player with some upside, you know, some unknown upside. Um but I don't know. I mean, I your other your other argument about Claypool's like top fifteen potential versus all the other receivers after him hit me as well. Like that that wide receiver list, like Tyler Boyd, I love, but I mean, he's... <laughs> triple stack without <laughs> No, I mean, I'm saying I love him, but I don't think he has top fifty. Like, I mean, I, right, I, I right. don't think I can make that case necessarily. Even with one of the other guys going down, I don't think Tyler Boyd finishes top fifteen. I think he probably needs them both to go down. 
So and it, it is, it is crazy. Like if we pull back, because I, I'm, I'm sure there, and I'll just, I'll just read off the team for the people who are a little disoriented right now. So we have Kyler Murray at quarterback. We have one running back, Devin Singletary. We have Kyle Pitts at tight end. And then we have these six wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, Garrett Wilson. Look, we get it. We know a lot of you are like, Hey, you guys are jacked up at wide receiver. You're good. But like, as, as Sean often says about FFPC, FFPC is a four wide receiver format, whether people want to come to grips with that or not. And right now we have six wide receivers. And when you talk about buys and injuries, uh, we're not and us just covered. being wrong. We were and wrong about wrong. someone we took. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, our depth, that wide receiver evaporates so quickly. And our goal isn't to fill four spots. It is to fucking pummel people at four spots and to me, Claypool is this tear break of someone we can pummel our opponents with. It's also someone that we can kind of punish the room for letting us have. Because like the room saying to us, you're done at wide receiver. You need to you need to get your running backs now. And, you know, you look back at like the guys who just let Claypool fall to us. To me, I'm looking at their teams. I'm like, should have taken Claypool. Should have taken Claypool. Should have taken Claypool. So they didn't. I think we should. He, I, what Claypool has done in his two years with Ben Roethlisberger is like super impressive to me. 1.90 yards per out run as a rookie 1.67 last year, which was a letdown, but I, you know, I think he could really benefit from the upgrade at quarterback. It's probably gonna be an upgrade for him. Even, you know, maybe the offense as a whole isn't like a huge upgrade, but the other thing that's interesting to me with Claypool is he led the Steelers last year in yards per out run from the slot had 1.75 yards per hour from the slot. Deontay Johnson, only 1.07. Ray Ray McLeod was next at 0.87. Juju was at 0.76. We're making all these excuses for Juju about, you know, Ben was so bad for him, and he's going to have this bounce back here. Claypool was actually good out of the slot with, with Ben. You know, 1.75, very solid. So I think, like, if he ends up playing in the slot as a bigger part of his role this year, which they're talking about him doing, and, and he's played 20% of his, his career snaps so far out of the slot, so it wouldn't be, like, a totally new thing. Uh, I think that could maybe make him a little bit more consistent than we think of him as, and he won't be quite so big play touchdown dependent, but that's still going to be in the mix for him, given his size, given his athleticism, given some of the goal line stuff we saw at times. So I think – just the path for him being like a plug and play starter for us compared to guys that I like later, you know, I like Josh Palmer later. Right. But like he needs an injury to be a plug and play starter and kind of on and on down the list, like even Will Fuller, you know, unless he's, he signed somewhere awesome, tougher path to just like us locking him in kind of no brainer ranked as a top 15 wide receiver every week. I think Claypool has that path. Um, It's not the most likely path, but that's also why he's available in the 10th round. Yeah, see, I I still think I mean I, I I agree with you guys, and I think he has that path. I think it's like quite a bit less likely, I think, than you guys do. But I, I do think it's there. I, he's shown a lot of talent so far. I still think Deontay is the clear target hog in the offense, and and then Pickens' addition and Fryermuth in year two is like almost squeezes Claypool out in a way that maybe should be getting talked about more than it is, especially since he can't even earn a full-time role, you know, through last year. Um, but I do agree, like, especially from the physical perspective and the stuff that he's done already, um, that it's there. I just think of it as being a narrower path. I, I, I'm with you guys that we should add him to this build over the running back. The only other 
question I want to throw back to you is the one that I didn't talk about in the chat at all, but I already mentioned at the beginning of this show because I just noticed it when I opened up the draft app is that you, know, you can make the same case about punishing the, the, the room for letting Pat Fryermuth fall as far and their teammates. So I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to circle back. My only thought, and you guys tell me if you disagree with this, and I just have kind of like ADP brain right now, but I view this tight end tier like pretty flat from basically Fryermuth to Gerald Everett. Like this crew of Fryermuth, Gasicki, Akui Boonham, Fant, Henry, and Everett feels so flat to me. And that's why I have a hard time taking the first guy in that tier. But do you guys have Fryermuth in a significant tier ahead of those guys? I don't, which is probably why I'm so Claypool here. Because um, I don't I, – I, I agree with you. I, I think he's kind of in that tier. And it would be nice to maybe get – like if we don't get one of the running backs that we like to fall to us in the 12th, maybe that's where we take our second tight end. Or maybe we take our second tight end in the 13th if uh, we have a – we have enough cover to to push it. I and think just I to toss it back to Gretch. I mean, both Fryermuth and Claypool are ADP values right now. I mean, we're at pick one sixteen. Both of them have a one hundred one and a one hundred two ADP. So, like, we're we're value hounding this regardless of yeah. the dealer's player. I I I think I do have Fryermuth at least a half tier ahead of those guys. I do like those other guys. Um, Fryermuth is definitely my preferred of that grouping. I, I would not say, like, definitely down to, like, Fan. I would not say Fryermuth is a coin flip for me. And I like Fan. I think Fan's been undervalued. Alberto is interesting. I don't think – I think I would pretty clearly take Fryermuth. Kasicki's the one maybe is in the same tier. Um, it was interesting. I was looking at their stats. Fryermuth did play one more game, but – and he scored a, a few more – a handful more touchdowns is probably the biggest difference. But, like – Claypool last year, 166 fantasy points. Fryermuth like 151 as a rookie tight end. Like, and he was a good tight end prospect. That's pretty good, yeah. He wasn't, and that's that's by the way, in in single PPR. This is tight end yeah. premium. I, I think if I pull up tight end premium, that essentially be Fryermuth would be ahead of him, I think, last year. Uh, but he played one extra game. He had a good rookie year. I mean, the touchdowns were a big part of it, but uh yeah, I mean, the concern for me is, like, we didn't see it in year two with Claypool, and I am, like, we actually saw a step back, and we didn't see the team commit to him in routes. And maybe maybe it's sort of a similar bet to Gabe Davis, though, and I've made the argument that Gabe Davis is worth making the bet on. So I'm not I'm not opposed to Claypool. I'm really not. I'm just kind of – I think it's, like, a similar bet to, to Judy as well in a way where, like, we're probably like, – I think he was an 80% routes run, uh, Claypool, last year, which is not what we'd want. We'd want him to be, like – 90 95 i think uh deontay was at 95 i checked it earlier today and um yeah i mean he was was ahead of Juju, at, but not not enough i was looking at his game log and he has some 95 games and then he has some 50 games like out of nowhere and i'm like hmm. that was what happened with claypool last year was, and that's what happened i think is his rookie year as well late in the year it's just suddenly he was a part-time player even after he had a huge start to his rookie year I'm definitely reading tea leaves off the field stuff. It's just this weird concern. But I told you guys in the chat, I was kind of throwing it out because you guys were pretty stoked that he was falling. And I was kind of throwing it out, like just sort of seeing if you guys were kind of biting that that line I was casting and, and, and were agreeing with me or or not. Because if you weren't, then I was like, I mean, this is the obvious pick, I, I do think. Well, I compared it to 
I compared him to Tony in the chat, and I was using uh, our buddy Anthony Miko's player comp tool, and it was interesting just how in his tool, just how similar their their uh, projections come out to be if you graph them out. Um, but it does it just sort of feels intuitively like a similar bet where Tony, I mean Tony could be like a cut, you know, you could be just completely cutting Tony, but then there's like some outcomes where he's not you're not feeling great about him being a starter and then there's plenty of outcomes where you're easily starting Kadarius tony and i i kind of feel the same way with claypool you're trading a little bit of that like super super cut this guy downside and i think you're probably giving away like i think tony probably has a clearer path because he's he just flashed that talent probably a little stronger even than claypool has so you know you're you maybe don't have as quite a clear path to him being that locked in starter but very similar bet to me, and you know we're getting a three-round discount compared to Tony. And if we have to cut him at some point, we have to cut him. But the clearest point you guys have made as well is like we're we don't want any other receivers after this point. Like if, if right. we're not taking him here, I'm basically arguing that I wouldn't take him in any scenario, and I'm not he, really <laughs> trying to argue that. <laughs> so. And we were we're 25 minutes into this minisode, and none of us have pounded the table for one specific running back. Like we're all no. clearly in agreement that this is a flat tier of zero running back targets. And we're happy with like six to eight of them. Yeah. yeah. I, I am with Ben on, I, I think if we don't take Claypool, we should take Friermuth probably because uh, as much as I kind of see the tight end group is, is fairly flat. We are getting the ADP discounts, you know, maybe there's something to be said for just taking that. I did pull up his stats from last year, uh, 180.7 half-point PPR points, or not half-point, point-and-half-point PPR points in FFPC scoring. Pretty good. I think part of it for me is, like, Tyler Higby, like, scored, like, three less points and goes four rounds later or something. So, uh, you know, I I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, but rookie tight ends don't do that. That's this true. Year yeah, two, it's a great point. Like, this could be a year-two takeoff. It could right? be a year-two takeoff for sure. Yeah, but no, I, I, yeah, good. No, I, I think like the room handed us a couple values and we should take one of those values. Yeah. And like to me, just kind of plotting this out a few picks down the road. So, you know, we're picking right now at pick 116, right? And then, so our next picks are going to be at, um, to, to, to 120. Five and one forty. Clear and running so, back like, at one twenty-five, I think, because we want to get I, one as as I think we're a lock for a running back at yeah. one twenty-five. Like you look at this sweet spot here: Hines one twenty-one, Spiller one twenty-one, Carter one twenty-four, Hendo one twenty-four, Gainwell one thirty, TDP one thirty-two. Like we're we're like a lock to take a running back there. And so then the question is: when we come back at, at pick one forty you know, looking at the pockets there, because that's where I think it gets like a little interesting here. You're looking now we're to the James Robinson tier. You're in the Evan Ingram, um, Jamison Williams, Jacoby Myers, JD McKissick. And then you are to like that Tyler Higby. So we do, like I mentioned that tight end tier being flat. We mentioned that running back tier. We could, when it comes back to us in that round, miss both that tight end and running back. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think I would make a case that after Gerald Everett, there's not a tight end I want to draft. I don't know the whole rest. Of the I mean, I think Higby's like Higby's totally fine. 
you but know, why would you it, take him we, over a running back, a comparable running back like Marlon Mack? I would way rather take Marlon Mack. Way, way yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'd rather take yeah, Marlon Mack with this build for sure. I think part of it for me is I'm comfortable pushing in a tight end because we have pits, you right? Know? Like yeah. we we made a huge bet on pits. Yeah. Totally comfortable pushing it there. Like if we have to grab, you know, like Austin Hooper. Uh, I don't like Cameron Bray. Hayden Hurst, like again, it goes back to the Cincinnati thing. Uh, Logan Thomas, you know, his knee injury is not great, but like, I mean, I think at some point he's going to be there every route tight end again. And then Brevin Jordan is like, you know, I think those guys, like if that has to be our tight end too, not ideal, but I think that's fine. And then maybe we get a value in round 13. In the, my only thing with the kind of the tight end, and I'm not a, I, I obviously want to like tack on a second tight end at some point, but you're almost having to hit a three leg parlay, right? Because you're trying to, first of all, we have to nail pits, which I think we are based on where we took him because we need him to be a flex play for us at that point, not a tight end. Then we need to hit the tight end pick late and they fill our tight end spot. And then on top of it, we need our wide receivers to be weak because pits is displacing one of those wide receivers we're starting weekly, right? Because instead of starting four wide receivers, we're starting three plus pits. It just is like, it seems like a little bit of a thinner run out to me when you're well, the making wide, a- The wide receiver point is the same as the one for like the reason to say Claypool, we could be wrong. There's bias, we could have be injuries. So you're just sort of replacing that with a second tight end as that additional flex right. option. Right. I, mean, I guess- same- Maybe, maybe I have a blind spot, but I'm still just like thinking that the when the tell me if you guys think this is a wrong take, but like in my head, I'm like when the wide receivers hit, they hit in a more obvious way. Whereas when the tight ends hit, like even in the seasons where Fryermuth hits, it still feels to me like it's going to be like pretty touchdown dependent and pretty volatile. Like he yeah. could have like a high touchdown season, but like are we going to feel comfortable knowing when to start and hit those weeks? Probably not if he's a volatile touchdown guy. I mean, I, I hear that for sure. I think the the upside case for Fryermuth is again this is year two takeoff kind of in a in a passing game that he becomes the, the second option and basically the second clear option. And, and some of the mm-hmm. concerns I've I've said about Claypool actually proved to be pretty accurate, and, and he gets like 120 targets. Like I don't think that's out of the question for Pat Fryermuth in year two. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think that that's the upside. That's the reason to take Fryermuth is that maybe you have a breakout case. Strong rookie year, uh, good draft capital, decent enough prospect. Um, so that, that's that's definitely possible. Uh, I guess, like, I, I mean, for, for me, like, if we ended up with, like, Najoku or something as our second tight end, who has, like, a really late ADP year, um, I guess I'm just, like, pretty comfortable with that. And I don't see it as like a huge. I want to be clear. You guys convinced me on Claypool like 15 minutes ago. We're 30 minutes (laughs) into this video. (laughs) I'm not really pounding the table for Friar. We're just kind of gaming it out. (laughs) I'm totally. No, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of these mini subs because we, we do need to game it out. We need to game it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think where we're at, and the reason it makes it a little easier is we kind of know that like we could just be in a gross spot in the 12th round, no matter what, you know, like at any position, the 12th round could feel a little gross to us. Yeah, it could. But like, I will say, you know, TDP 21% chance to come back. Algier 33, Khalil 41. It could happen. You don't one of them could. One round. of them could. 
you could be at a gross spot. <laughs> 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 That's what they always say about the 12th round. <laughs> and the the other thing too i mean yeah we 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 did see like on this side of the board we finally saw a, a quarterback run i mean the one hole hasn't taken a tight end yet um you know there you know that the 12 hole hasn't taken a tight end like there is things that can push one of these guys down to us and that's where we we hit the nuts if it's like we get say we take claypool here we get like a preferred target at the 11th, whether that's like a TDP or Spiller, and then like a Khalil Herbert or Gainwell falls to us in the 12th. Like th- that outcome is possible. Yeah, and that is, that's the nuts. And then we also, you know, to me, it's like, it just like makes the Singletary pick perfect if then we take the Claypool value that we only took because we were able to get Singletary. And then, you know, we take Claypool because we're pushing it at running back and then we get that running back to fall to us in the 12th. I mean, so, it's kind of how you set yourself up for to feel really good about this draft. One thing I'm going to set you guys up for is if we take Claypool and some of those tight ends go and we get into like an Austin Hooper versus an actual upside running back discussion, basically at any point the rest of the way, I'm probably going to argue that we just go one tight end. Cause I think there are yeah. these backup tight ends yeah, that yeah. can emerge through August. Like, I don't, I don't think we have to leave this draft with a second tight end. I think we just take as many running backs as we can. We know we're going to cut them, try to find this year's, you know, ambiguous tight end situation where like the giants no one's going to draft daniel bellinger or ricky seals jones or whoever they might throw a lot one of those guys gets the role all right it's kind of interesting you know and maybe we make that pick up as our backup in the season have you ever heard of a guy named greg dolchich (laughs) i mean kind of kind of for real though (laughs) no no but gretch i'm completely with you i have I have zero um, desire to force a tight end to pick. Like I haven't even been thinking about tight end. It would just be if there was like this screaming value where it's like, yeah, that say that tier. And it's like, holy shit. It's like, we're choosing between JD McKissick or, you know, Gerald Everett or something. Then I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe we, we take the Gerald Everett value here. Just knowing that the ceiling's pretty high. I, I guess I'm more um, intrigued by taking like, you know, like a Brevin Jordan. Like I, I think Brevin Jordan has kind of got some upside as a second-year player who's now going to be in a larger role. Um, yeah, but I'm with like you on that. really cheap, really cheap cost. Yeah. I think his ADP is 186. Like I'm not talking about you know, if he if he happens to be there and you know we're, we don't feel great about the running backs, a guy like him I think makes a lot of sense. But sure. But I'm also with you guys. We don't have to force that at all. You know, we probably no. are in a position where any upside at running back is what we're going to be prioritizing. As opposed, I was talking more of the dusty old, you know, Austin yeah. Hooper and Tyler in, Higby it, and shit. In the one thing, like I've, you know, <laughs> Everyone over hates the year, Higby and I just, I just scoop him up in <laughs> best form. <laughs> I will. Over the years, though, like one of the things, the mantras I've internalized with FFPC waivers is like running back to and streaming tight ends are readily available on the waiver wire. It's just like year after year, they're there. Yeah. And it doesn't, if, if Pitts is a smash, it doesn't preclude us from drafting or, or picking up a tight end streamer off the waiver wire that we slot into the tight end. And then we flex Pitts. like that is completely viable. And so I would almost rather not pay for it because the production that these mid round tight ends are going to give us over a tight end streamer that we identify is that gap. Isn't that big. 
This is a, a great, but Pat, remember how much we loved James O'Shaughnessy and then Dan Arnold right after it? And then, like, whatever Jacksonville tight end ends up playing I'm, when Evan Ingram. I'm drafting Evan Ingram, man. I'm drafting <laughs> Evan Ingram. It hasn't stopped for me. <laughs> but yeah, but, I mean, we'll find that dude on the waiver wire for sure. I mean, like, John Bates was like a, I don't know if John, John Bates, Bates actually was, but. I'll call it right now. We're gonna be we're gonna be putting in waiver wire bids on Kylan Granson. We're gonna be yeah. bidding on Kylan Granson. Heck this year. yeah! There's gonna be a, a bunch of guys like that that we're gonna be putting in waiver wire bids on. Uh, totally with you, Pete. Like, there's no no yeah. reason to like freak out. Like, our roster's not done when we when we finish this draft. And you said the RB two and the tight end. I completely agree. Obviously, we took Kyle Pitts. All we took was Devin Singletary so far. The the bets we want to make prior to August lean more towards running back. Cause that's where, if we get an answer, it's, it's a bigger hit. Yeah. For our roster. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I do go back to the point Pat made, like just again, talking about value, you know, Claypool here being, you know, 15 some picks after ADP. Like I want to punish the room for passing on this guy that clearly fits their builds. And it's like, we're going to be able to recover our running back two way, way easier than you're going to be able to recover your wide receiver four or five. Yeah. I, I, I mean, no one is shocked to hear this, but I, I do struggle to understand. You know, if you've got like four wide receivers, Chase Claypool comes by, it's like, hey, I'm free in the 10th round. You're like, no, thanks. You know, let's, yeah, let's scoop him up. Let's scoop yeah. him up. If I had Are four receivers, I would definitely be taking Chase Claypool. And I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the low guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's do it. Chase Claypool, welcome to the squad. We are fucking jacked up at wide receiver. The Piss Boys are back. Kyler Murray, Devin Singletary, Kyle Pitts at at our onesies. Uh, please have, petition to change FFPC to a single running back build. Uh, Marquise, Brown, Marquise Brown, D. Higgins, Chase Claypool, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman, Garrett Wilson. If you are in our league, we will beat your ass. At wide receiver, right, fellas? That's, that's, that's our right. guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just we'll, you wait till Tyrion Davis Price comes on, too. Then we'll be a running <laughs> oh. back, too. All right. We'll see you guys in the 11th. Peace out.